I have a complex case study for you today, therefore you're going to have to listen carefully. And I need for you to listen slowly as you process this information because there is a lot of nuance here. But that's the way counseling needs to be. It needs to be comprehensive. It doesn't need to be superficial. We want to go beyond just dealing with the behavioral issues that are right in front of us, but we also want to dig down and get into the root causes. And sometimes the root causes of our problems can be decades long. And so let me give you the title of the podcast. Let's jump into it and then let's see what happens. Thank you again for joining me. I am Rick Thomas. This is your daily drive. You can find me at rickthomas.net if you want to chat about anything, including this podcast, well, you're welcome to do that. Go to our website. We have a free community forum for anybody in the world who has access to the internet. If you are a supporting member of our ministry, well, you can go to our private forum and you can talk directly to me and my team, and it would be a pleasure to serve you. Here's the title to the podcast. This, by the way, is a quote from a counseling session. We fornicated while dating. But why did he commit adultery? Now, I want to give you a warning before we jump into this. It's a warning to those of you who are dating, and it's a warning to those who may have fornicated while you were dating and you're married now. If you fornicated during your dating relationship, don't be surprised when other sins happen after you marry each other, even adultery, as this podcast suggests. If God does not impose himself on both of you, life will only become worse between you, as this case study reveals. And so let me trot out my friends, Biff and Mabel, who always make for good illustrations, and let's see what has been happening with them, and let's see how we can care for them, not just the sin of adultery, but that long trail that leads to adultery and some of the complicating factors that were birthed in their dating relationship that they never took care of. And so there are several things that we want to do when we care for them. We want to mitigate the pain and work through the presenting problem, which is horrific adultery. But we also we need to excavate and get into the minutia of their lies because there's more here than what meets the eye. So here we go. Biff and Mabel came in for counseling because Mabel caught Biff in an adulterous relationship. She was hurt. She was angry. And the most important thing at the moment was to care for her soul. I hope to God that this has not happened to you. It has happened to me. And there are no words. There's not a book. There's not an article. There's nothing that I could share with you that could communicate clearly the not only the complexity that happens to your soul, but the deep pain. It goes way down, and it's a pain that honestly cannot be articulated well. Now, there was much to sort out with Bill and Mabel, but that pain that I'm talking about that she was experiencing required immediate counseling attention. Adultery is unlike most other sins because the deep hurt that it presses into a person's soul. And so here's a warning for all of you who are providing care for someone who has gone through adultery that you do not want to jump links in a chain and get to other things without properly caring for the hurt person. She had just been blindsided by 
a truck and she is laying flat out on the street. Now, there are a lot of things that you want to talk about, but again, the most important thing is that you want to bring compassionate, competent, and you will need courageous care as you speak into her life, because depending on who she is and how she processes this, these things or this thing, and she could be all over the map. And I, I've met some women who were able to work through this uh, quickly as far as that goes. And then I have others that it seems like they never get over it. So you have to discern the situation. It is a difficult thing. I know when it happened to me, it took a long time to not just process it, but but to get over it. So you want to be careful. You want to be compassionate. And of course, you do have to be courageous. This sin of adultery has a unique aspect to it. Normal sin is between you and God. I put the word normal in quotation marks. No, nor, no sin is normal. All sin is insane. Sanity is Christ. Being sane is being Christ-like. Anything outside of Christ-likeness is insane, abnormal. But when I say normal sin, I'm trying to make a distinction between normal sins like anger or whatever and the sin of adultery. You see, the sin of adultery is not just between you and God. Sin, this sin also traumatizes another soul, but it even gets more complicated than that. You're not only traumatizing another person, in this case, your spouse, but the complications increase, listen to this, because you're sinning against yourself too. Both of you are one flesh. Did you get that? Biff sinned against himself. The himself that he sinned against was Mabel because she is him. They are one. They are not two people. Adultery is a strange sin. In Ephesians, Paul talked about how a lack of care for one's spouse is a way to hate her. Now, some of you may recoil at the word hate, and I understand why you would, but that is God's word, not mine. Let me read the verse to you. It's Ephesians 5.29. Paul said, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Now, Biff was not nourishing and cherishing his wife. He was sinning against her, hating his own flesh, hating his wife, Mabel, the victims of adultery would not argue with Paul. They definitely wouldn't argue with God because it's a deep pain of hatred. And that is what Mabel felt to the core of her being. And that's why I'm appealing to you, even warning you, don't jump links in the chain when someone is going through adultery. Be careful. Be slow. Make sure that you're caring for her. Now, I'm going to move forward because this is a podcast. It's a 30-minute podcast, but I don't want you to interpret a 30-minute podcast as how fast you care for someone. Please understand. But after some sessions, several hours, many hours, several weeks, things begin to level out. And Biff and Mabel were starting to experience care, restoration to God, reconciliation with each other. These things were good but we had more to do because we do not do superficial counseling. Biblical counseling is comprehensive in nature. 
We take care of the immediate crisis, and then we try to deal with that long trail that led to the crisis, and that trail can go back decades, as it did with Biff and Mabel. And so part of the counseling process needed to have a preventative measure to it. I did not want them to be back to this place again. But to accomplish this, we were going to have to do some deep digging. Mabel certainly did not want it to happen again. Nobody in their right mind would want adultery to happen again to anyone, but especially to their marriage. So we had to think about why it happened in the first place and how both Biff and Mabel needed to change their views about God, about each other, and about their marriage. Now, this is one of those places where I want you to listen carefully, and I don't want you to upload what I'm not saying. But one of the instructive things that came out of this conversation was how the adultery was not an anomaly for them. Though it happened at this season and it had not happened prior to that, adultery was not an anomaly. It was a continuation of a lifestyle that had been in place for nearly 30 years. Now let me explain. Mabel and Biff have known each other since they were in high school. They are both in their late 40s now. They began dating in their junior year of high school and separated briefly during college and resumed their relationship in full after their respective college graduations. They were dating off and on for six years before they were married. During this time, they engaged in premarital sex, what the Bible calls fornication. Now, I was not surprised by this, which is why I typically ask a couple going through adultery if they fornicated during their dating years. Honestly, I typically ask most struggling couples who come in for counseling if they fornicated during dating years. I have an article here in this article, embedded linked. You can read it or you can listen to the podcast. But it talks about how sex before marriage leads to a trail of tears. So you can click on that. I'm not going, I'm not going to explain all of that here for sake of time. But if you want to go deeper and learn more about this idea, then I would encourage you to listen to that podcast and, and then also read the article if you desire. But in almost every case, the couple had indulged in premarital sexual sin, those who, who come in with adultery. Adultery usually has a trail that it can be decades old. You see, infidelity does not just happen. There are patterns, but not just patterns. There's a lifestyle that precedes the spouse hopping in bed with another person. It was hard for Mabel to hear how she was part of the problem and part of the pattern in her husband's life. Now, what I don't want you to hear I definitely don't want you to upload that Rick is blaming Mabel for what Biff did as far as adultery is concerned. No, I'm not. Adultery, what Biff did, it was his problem. It was his action. He is responsible before God. But as you move not beyond adultery, but as you dig deeper into it and try to provide that preventative care, this is where it becomes messy, and this is where you start walking through a minefield. Now, she's not responsible for his sin, but she was grossly irresponsible during the dating relationship and also during their marriage. Mabel never made this connection 
which is why the title of the article is as we committed fornication while dating, but why did he commit adultery now? Somehow she had convinced herself that sexual fornication, sex before marriage, and sexual adultery were on different planes and had no relationship to each other. The truth is there is hardly a difference between sexual sin before marriage and sexual sin while married. Not in the context of what I'm speaking here. I mean, who wants to parse out those differences? It can be futile and wrongheaded. It can be a misdirection, and it could be willful distorting of the facts and trying to hide the uh, the true and comprehensive problems that are a part of this moment in time sin of adultery. But if you don't factor in biblical self-examination into the process, it is possible that you may not find the help that you say that you want. Now, somehow, Mabel had compartmentalized their fornication, but not, not just compartmentalized it, but she recast it, redefined it, relabeled it as, guess what, as love. Well, he loved me. That's why we did that before marriage. The adultery, according to her self-denial, well, that was another story altogether. She called it a sin. She said it was wrong. She said it was harsh, uncalled for, against God, against her, evil of the devil, and a few other condemnatory things. And by the way, she's exactly right. But here's the thing. All of Mabel's descriptors about what adultery is apply to her fornication too. It was sin. It was wrong. It was harsh. It was uncalled for. It was against God. It was against her, against him. It was evil of the devil and a few other condemnatory things. In that sense, her guilt before God is no different than Biff's guilt before God when it comes to their choice to commit sexual sin before marriage. Do you think God would say, hey, Mabel, you're fornicating sexual sin but?" Before you were married, it's not as bad as your husband's adulterous sexual sin after you were married. Oh, I'm sure on a consequential level, there, there are differences. Of course, there are. But any sin would nail Christ to the cross, and these two sins are really close because they're both sexual sins. And so you want to be careful that you don't stratify sin so that you can soothe your conscience. There may be a difference in shades of black. But if you group one sexual sin as better than another sexual sin, honestly, you're playing intellectual games while trying to protect your reputation as well as the desire to hold on to your righteousness. Rather than Mabel trying to set herself apart as a better sinner, a lesser sinner, not as bad as him sinner, it would be more honest for her to own what she did and seek to repent to God and to Biff. And, yes, it would be wise and humble for Biff to do the same. Now, I want to add that caveat one more time here because I know where this podcast can go in some people's minds where you're just blaming her for everything. No, I'm not. There's a lot to do to help Biff, the one who went through adultery. But if you want to help this marriage, there are two people here, and you need to help both of them, and you need to deal with both of them compassionately, carefully, courageously. The reason their mutual repentance is critical is that it is honest. 
And until they come full circle and deal with all the sinful sexual dysfunction, all of it, in their lives, they will not be able to experience real life-changing help. You can't divorce the sexual sin during the pre-marriage years from the sexual immorality during the married years. They are contiguous, connected, and they are progressive. Mabel wanted to think her husband loved her, and they were making love as teens. She also wanted to think her husband did not love the adulterous woman the way he probably loved her. Both were sinful sexual lust. Her husband was in love with himself when they were dating, and that has never changed. Mabel needed to see the depth of his sin. It would not do for him to repent of adultery only. That would be removing the fruit from the tree, and yeah, that is necessary. Cut that fruit off. Amputate. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hands hands offend you, cut it off. But not rooting out the disease that caused the rotten fruit, well, that would be a huge problem. The disease not only caused the evil fruit of adultery, but the infection had been in the root system in his heart for over three decades. It's the same disease that caused the rotten fruit of fornication. Now, this reality will be hard for Mabel to hear. Her husband did not change into a bad person at some point during the marriage, as perceived by the adultery. Her husband is not much different from how he was when they were fornicating together 20-something years ago before they married. I wanted to spend adequate time walking her through the adultery before we got into the patterns that were in place that led to the infidelity. The pain of the adultery was challenging enough, and I knew that, and that's why carefulness is of utmost importance. But this was going to be more painful as she comes to terms with his lack of love, but not just his lack of love then and now, but also her culpability in the fornication. One of the hardest things for her to accept was how she had twisted her conscience to believe they were, quote, making love and not making fornication. At some level of her heart, she knew this, but she was unwilling to admit it. And because she was unwilling to admit it, she changed making fornication into making love. Huge problem. She even began to discern why she did not respect her husband throughout their marriage. What she had, she had smothered disrespect, but that smothered disrespect was now emanating out from under the truth that she had suppressed about the fornication. She thought she had hidden her hurt, which came out as disrespect, but she had not. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 1.18, a profound, powerful, and hopefully, if appropriate, a convicting verse for all of us. Paul said, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. When you start suppressing the truth out of your life, 
God's wrath comes down, rains down from heaven against those who try to move the truth out of their lives. Mabel had been suppressing the truth about their fornication all these years. She had twisted what they were doing as foolish teens by recasting it as love. But it wasn't loving. It was evil. And though she whitewashed over it, God didn't. Paul said God reveals his wrath against anyone who suppresses the truth by their unrighteousness. Mabel may have denied and reframed and twisted and republished her sin as not so bad, but she was the only one fooled. She could not defeat the displeasure of God upon her soul. This response from God caused a backlash in her that affected their marriage, I have described Paul's text in Romans like a person squeezing a hot dog balloon, suppressing the truth, pressing down on it. You take one of those weenie balloons and you squeeze it right in the middle. And if you put pressure on it, the other parts of it will become exaggerated. Mabel had put pressure on her conscience. She had squeezed the truth out of her conscience to reprogram her premarital sin with Biff. She was suppressing the truth, not realizing that she could not push it out of her soul. Thus, Mabel had an exaggerated soul that was reacting to her attempts to press the truth down and out of her life. Rather than owning their premarital sin by repenting of it, talking to her husband about it, and being fully released from it, they ignored it. But her soul was not ignoring it, and part of the backlash was the subtle disrespect and not-so-subtle anger that she had toward her husband. Through the years, Mabel had become a critical wife. She rarely encouraged Biff and seemed to communicate steady displeasure toward him. Imagine how much could have been accomplished in their lives if they would have admitted their sin to each other and to God and effectively repented of it. And that's the hope that all of us have. If you commit fornication in your dating relationship, well, then that is the key. Admit the sin to each other, admit it to God, confess it, effectively repent of it. Remember that repentance is not just confession, but truly working through the problems that led to the sin and turning and moving in another direction. Perhaps they would have needed to get some help. But the embarrassment of what they did back then was more potent to them than coming clean with God and enjoying the freedom of a pure conscience. She chose to stuff it by relabeling what they were doing as love. But Biff did not love her. Oh, maybe, maybe he loved her to a degree. I'm sure he did. But his love for her was tangled and mostly an effort to satisfy his cravings. But before you think too harshly about Biff and how he victimized Mabel, it's only equitable to see Mabel in a similar light. She was a willing partner, too. You must not miss this truth if you want to help them. Again, that's what we're trying to do in this podcast, to give you a comprehensive view of what's going on. And that's why you want to be careful uh, that you don't see Mabel as an exclusive victim. She is a victim to Biff's adultery, but she's also culpable in the sense that I have been communicating here because Biff didn't rape her. She wanted to have sex with Biff. She liked the Hollywood notion of sleeping together, being romanced, and having a man to want her. 
Both Mabel and Biff are self-centered people who give tacit acknowledgement to God in their Christian faith. Yes, they are Christians, the best I can discern, but they are worldly Christians in this sense. God is not the center of their thoughts or their lives consistently. John said in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't serve two masters, as Jesus said in Matthew 6. This rejection of a God-centered life is one of the reasons the adultery hurts so much. Mabel was less concerned about God as she was working through her infidelity, through Biff's infidelity, and she was more concerned about how he doesn't love me and how embarrassing this is to me and what will others think. Adultery is complicated enough, but when it happens to a worldly person, it accelerates to another level. If the, victim, if the victim of infidelity had a deep and growing relationship with God, you could walk her through the adultery with quicker success because God would be battling for her. If the victim of adultery is similarly selfish as the adulterer, two people have to make their way back to God. Now, while God is merciful to the hurting, he is also a God of justice, which makes him opposed to both of them. Mabel can't play the exclusive victim card and blindly ignore the justice that needs to happen regarding her self-centered sexual sin. While she is a victim, she is also culpable in a marriage that has gone bad. This is what I call the sinning victim complex. And it is a, a difficult, it can be a difficult and challenging situation to work through. And you better be wise. You better be discerning, you better be careful, and you better be courageous. She can choose either to suppress the truth of her sin while paying for it by experiencing God's ongoing wrath upon her, or she can confess her sin and let the anger that God put on his son satisfy her sin. If she chooses the latter, which I hope she does, there will be many blessings that will come her way. Let me give you a short list. She will be free from her sin. Her conscience will begin to be more in tune with God's word. The pains of guilt will disappear. Her self-deception will go away. She can find healing for the adultery without the complicating factor of her role in the fornication. Her anger, disrespect, and criticalness toward her husband will go away. She can experience a refreshing relationship with God. She can be a minister of reconciliation for her husband. Her repentance will help cut the roots that have infected their marriage, and she can model for Biff his need for repentance. If she does repent, she will begin to learn and experience what real love is while being less needy and demanding. If her husband repents, she will be ready to experience real marital love without reframing, redefining, relabeling, recasting it. She'll experience that instead of two lust-centered people. If you are dating and you're fornicating, I recommend that you break up for a while. Let someone know about your sin, get some help, and decide if you're right for each other. You're a fool to continue in the relationship without getting help. Don't think you're impervious to something like Mabel's story. You're not. Mabel's account is fictional based on several dozen couples that I've counseled who fit this account. 
there'll be women reading this article who may not mirror Mabel's story precisely because they have not lived through adultery, but they did fornicate during their dating years and things have never been right between them and their husbands. While they are not experiencing the pain of adultery, they are experiencing the numbness of a lonely marriage with an emotionally detached and preoccupied man. If you are married, I recommend that you let your spouse know what you have listened to in this podcast. Show your spouse the article. Tell your spouse what you think about it, how it has impacted your soul and how you believe it's impacted your marriage and how you won't help. And then I further appeal to you to make plans to get some help. You must resolve your past. If it is not resolved, it will take revenge on your soul. It probably already has. And you will not be the person that God wants you to be. Do not be fooled. You cannot suppress the truth by your unrighteousness. God will press his wrath on you. Any person who hides the truth will experience internal turmoil and relational dysfunction. It's the nature of sin and the nature of God. To punish this sin, get some help today. Christ is the solution. If you need help walking through this, you're welcome to contact us. We have counselors who would love to provide counseling for you. We have forums that we would love to interact with you. Fill out your username and password, and if you're not a supporting member, it's not a problem. It really isn't. You can talk freely, and we'll be glad to chat with you. Supporters, jump on our private forum. Let us help you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.